folks, Dr. Tim Jordan back here with you with a brand new episode of Raising Daughters. And I can tell you that I am exhausted, but in a good way. Uh, I just recently finished my last week of summer camp, which means that I'm tired. And I say in a good way because it was, it was an amazing week, the last week of camp. And I'm exhausted because it was over 100 degrees a couple of the days. And, you know, I'm up early, go to bed late. And I'm with, I was with 53 kids, middle school and high school girls, and uh, 20 staff. But in a good way, meaning but I would never not want to do it because I also come back full. Um, it's such a great week, such great kids, such great energy, such a nice sense of community, community that we built last week. And so I thought I would uh, share with you one of the exercises that I did with my high school girls, and I've done it before. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and pull a few stories from some previous camps as well. And of course, use names that are not the girls' actual names, just so you don't know who I'm talking about. But there's an exercise about self-love. My working title for this podcast is How Girls Can Turn Physical and Emotional Scars into Beauty. And let me start here with a, with a quick story that I think will illustrate what I'm talking about today. There were two grandparents one time who were in a children's store looking for gifts for their grandkids. And the grandmother saw a beautiful teacup. And much to her surprise, the teacup started talking to the grandparents. And this teacup said, well, thank you so much for the compliment that I'm beautiful, but I wasn't always this beautiful. And the grandmother said, well, what do you mean by that? So the teacup explained that she was once just an ugly, soggy lump of clay until one day some wet hands scooped her up and threw her onto a potter's wheel. It was spun around so fast she got more and more dizzy so she couldn't see straight. Stop, she cried out, stop, but the potter told her not yet. When the potter finally stopped, this teacup was then placed into a furnace that got hotter and hotter until she couldn't stand it. And again, she cried out, stop, please stop. But again, the potter said, not yet. Finally, when the teacup thought she was going to burn up, she was taken out of the furnace and a woman began to paint her. And the fumes from the paint became almost unbearable and it made her sick. And once again, she screamed, stop, please stop. But the lady told her, not yet. But at last, the lady stopped, the potter. But she proceeded to put her back into the awful furnace where it was hotter than before. And she said, please stop once again, please stop. But the potter calmly peered in and said, not yet. Finally, at long last, she was taken out of the furnace and she was set aside to cool. And when she was all cooled off, a boy put the, the teacup into a box with straw all over her, along with some other teacups. A lady then placed all of them on the shelf in the store next to a mirror. And this teacup looked into the mirror and she was amazed at what she saw. She said, I was amazed at myself. I couldn't believe what I'm seeing. I was no longer ugly and soggy. I now glistened, I was beautiful, and I cried for joy. And the teacup said, I realized that all that suffering was worthwhile. For without it, I would still be ugly, soggy, and dirty. All that pain took on meaning and made sense to me now. I could now bring beauty and joy to other people. What a beautiful story that illustrates trying to look for the beauty and the good in our experiences. Um, I, we did an exercise with the high school girls this week. I've done it before. 
And what we did was we had them do a visualization first. With their eyes closed, I had them visualize any scars that they carried uh, in their bodies, on their bodies, be they physical scars or emotional scars from past experiences, from past traumas. These are scars that, that they're ashamed to show. They're embarrassed about them. Um, they're ones that, um, that, they, that they could see or didn't want other people to see because, because they, in their minds, they were so ugly. So they would hide these scars. Uh, they would uh, put um, you know, their sleeves over them. They would, in, in some way, try and hide them because they didn't want anyone to see these, in their minds, these negative parts of themselves. So we had the girls open their eyes after they all had, had visualized some of these physical or emotional scars. Then we gave them some body paint. And we told them that we were going to give them some time to paint over their scars um, in a sense, to make them beautiful. And they could choose whatever colors they want. And so we gave them like 10 minutes. And so they quietly went about and started painting over all those parts of their body that they often try to cover up with, again, their sleeves or their pants, with makeup, um, with stories, with bravado. We encourage them to take their time and to paint something beautiful, uh, something beautiful where previously they'd only seen brokenness or pain or bad memories. So we gave them some time to do that and they were really into it. You could see, you could see the, the focus on them. Some of the girls were crying even as they, as they painted over their scars. And once they were all done, each of the girls was allowed, if they wanted, to share with the group. And they all did. So we went around the circle. I'm going to mention some of the the things that some of these girls shared. And I'm going to use, again, names that aren't really the, the real names. One girl, Alana, uh, had a scar on her ankle. And she uh, showed us the scar. And she said, and she had some hearts uh, drawn over it. And she said, actually, I'm okay with this scar because, and then she burst into tears. And she, we gave her a moment. She said, I'm okay with this scar because it's a, it was done or made by a scratch uh, from my old dog who died recently. She said, I miss him so much. And so this scar uh, reminds me of all the good memories we had together. A girl I'll call Macy had some scars on her wrists. And several other girls did too. And a couple girls had some, some scars, some like lines on their legs from cutting, from self-harm. They talked about um, how they felt about those scars. And some of the moments in their lives when they felt so low, low and so down that they were using that as a way to handle their emotions. A girl, Rosie, said that uh, she shows that she had written, she had, uh, excuse me, drawn um, some some flowers on her throat, oh, and this and the scar there wasn't really a scar; it was internal. And she said she felt so bad because she hadn't spoken up for herself most of her life, that she tended to remain quiet when she should be setting boundaries and speaking up. That was one of her scars. Dejanique, um um, had put a, a, a heart over her heart. And she talked about how heartbroken she had been from a breakup that had happened a couple months before. And she feel, felt like she was carrying around scars from that old relationship, which had been really unhealthy for her. Sophia also drew 
um, some flowers on her heart. And her, her scars were from hurt feelings she had from her dad yelling at her and criticizing her. For some reason, he was down on her a lot. And even to the point of talking about how she was getting fat, Sometimes he would walk behind her and squeeze her arms and kind of criticize her for, for being too overweight. So those are scars that she was feeling from herself and her heart. Didn't show, but it showed uh, within her. Siri um, had drawn some of these, these beautiful green vines around her head. And she said that she, those are scars that she had on the inside because she ruminates worst case so much. She makes mountains out of molehills. And she has a lot of negative self-talk. And there were several girls in the circle who had done something similar. Had drawn something beautiful along their heads because of all that negative self-talk. That was their scar. One girl who I'll call Lucy uh, drew um, some hearts on her stomach. Because in the past she had suffered in middle school from an eating disorder. Another girl had drawn some flowers on her stomach because she said she judged herself all the time as being fat compared to her peers. So the scar was about her, her judgments about herself um, and about her negative self-talk. Another girl had drawn some, um, some flowers and some pretty vines on her cheeks, she said, because she had always been really ashamed of the scars she had from her acne. And she always felt like everybody, that's the first thing and the only thing they looked at when they looked at her. And it made her feel really self-conscious and ugly. Another girl who I'll call Alexa, she, she said uh, she kind of put a little dot on the top of her head that represented a really small scar. And the reason she put it up there was because she felt really self-conscious about her height. She was one of those girls who was the first one to go through puberty in middle school. Actually, not in middle school. It was in fifth grade. Right at the start of fifth grade. And then she got her period about six months later. Again, the first one. She was the tallest one in her class. Way taller than everybody, including the boys. Which made her feel very awkward. She also started getting normal curves from puberty, which made her feel fat. And so she felt ugly. And the scar for her was... All that, all that pain and negative thoughts and beliefs she had about herself every time she looked in the mirror. And last but not least, two girls put some colors over, their, over the inside of their thighs because both those girls had been sexually assaulted in the past year. And what they, their scars, which weren't visible, but what they were carrying as scars was their was a shame that really deserved to go to the, the rapists. Shame, blame, that was the scars that they were carrying around. Everybody, including the camp counselors, shared something, including me. I showed them the scar on my chest where I had my open heart surgery four years ago um, because I had four things wrong with my heart. I've mentioned that in a previous podcast. And so I talked about what I was carrying in that scar was mostly in, the, in this day and age, in this day, excuse me, was gratitude. I mean, I could, have, I could have been dead four years ago. And so I'm very grateful for every day I have. And I have good health. I've never had any symptoms before or after the surgery. So I feel fortunate. That was my scar.
after everybody had shared, we then started to process. Because as the girls had shared around the circle, there was lots of emotions that were shed. And so I asked uh, uh, the girl, Alexa, who has, was ashamed about her height and felt awkward and fat and ugly because she had gone through puberty first. I gave her a water bottle. It was full of water. And I asked her how heavy the water bottle was. And she said, that's not that heavy. And I said, well, the absolute weight doesn't really matter. It actually depends mostly on how long you try to hold it. So I said, hold it out. So I said, if I had you hold it for a minute, would that be a problem? And she said, no, it wouldn't be that heavy. A minute's not that long. I said, how about if I had you hold that out for an hour straight? Then what? And she said, well, I'd probably have an ache in my arm. There's no way I can do it for an hour. I said, what about if I had you hold it out all day? And she said, then it would become intolerable. There's no way I could do that. So I said to her, the longer you hold it, the heavier, the heavier it becomes. And it's the same way with things like stress and things like negative thoughts about ourselves and also about our scars. If you're holding on to old negative stories and shame and, and embarrassment and blame and uh, those sorts of feelings around your scars, it becomes intolerable. It becomes overwhelming. And so just like with that, that uh, um, water bottle, you need to put it down sometimes for a while. You need to put those emotions down and breathe and relax and take some time to release the feelings and also to reframe any negative beliefs. So I asked Alexa in that moment how long she was willing to hold on to her old negative beliefs about herself that she'd been holding on to since fifth grade, and she's now in 11th grade. Six years. And that's the question we pose to all the girls and the counselors in the circle. How long are you willing to hold on to those old beliefs about yourself? I think it's true that often what's even worse than the harmful things that we experience is the shame we hold around those things. The secrecy that we have because of our embarrassment, because of the shame. That holding on to it and holding a secret is, is so much oftentimes worse than what actually happened. Our beliefs that we derive from those experiences that affect us from that moment on until we take the time to reframe. Ruminating about it, making the story and the thoughts and the beliefs bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper and worse and worse. That oftentimes is worse than what happened in the first place. So, after that, after that discussion and having some girls share, we started to encourage the girls to look at those scars in a different light. Because as pretty as the paintings were in their body when they did their paintings over the scars, we wanted them to recognize that, that there was true beauty hiding just below what they drew. For instance, we talked about what they had learned from the experiences the gifts they received from overcoming and enduring and moving forward from their trauma. We also remind them that scars exist because the wounds are now healed. A scar is actually a sign of healing and not a sign of brokenness. It's a sign that's been healed. And that's a mindset change. That's it's a different way of looking at it, a different perspective. I did a podcast a year or so ago about the spiral of beliefs. 
how sometimes I work with girls in my counseling practice, at re retreats, camps, etc., about how to reframe negative beliefs that they've accumulated in life based upon some harmful past experiences. Uh, so I'm, I'll put a, a link to that podcast for you in my show notes. Just go to www.drtimjordan.com um, to the podcast page, and underneath each one, you'll see show notes. Well, let me ex explain it just briefly, because you can go back and listen to the whole thing. But my spiral beliefs exercise, which I did with the girls last week, um, I have a little girl at the top who's perfect, and she is uh, innocent and kind-hearted and everything. And then life happens. An experience happens which causes her to feel some feelings like sad or hurt or ashamed or belittled or scared or whatever. Like, a, you know, a negative experience, if you will. And because she's feeling that, a lot of times she'll go inside her head and she'll say, I wonder why my dad doesn't call me anymore after, since they got divorced. I wonder why my friends ditched me. And then they answer those kinds of questions in their head with their own private logic. And usually that private logic is faulty. They'll say things like, maybe I'm ugly, or maybe I'm not good enough, or maybe I'm not cool, or maybe I'm um, awkward, or maybe my dad's new family is more important than me, therefore I'm not important. And then once they have those beliefs in their head, those thoughts in their head, then they'll bring those into every new situation, and then they'll tend to recreate more of it. And over time, then, those thoughts in their head become belief systems. It's not like I wonder if. It's like I am. I am awkward. I am not good enough. I am not lovable, etc. So with our painting over the scar exercise, it's kind of like, what, what do you want to believe about yourself? What is your truth? Because you were the first girl to go through puberty and you were the tallest in the class and the first one with curves, does that mean you're fat and ugly? I get why you may have thought that in fifth grade, but now you're in 11th grade. Is that going to be your decision about that? Because what you could decide is, I was the first girl to go through puberty. Those were normal curves. I wasn't fat. I wasn't ugly. I wasn't overweight. I just developed earlier. You could decide something like that. We remind the girls that they are always in charge of their story. They're not in charge of what happens to them, but they're always in charge of what they make of it. And that's so important. So we went through that process with the girls of reframing those thoughts, reframing, reframing those beliefs about themselves, reframing the meaning of their scars, if you will. That's one of the ways to make them more beautiful instead of seeing them as ugly. We did an exercise then where we had them visualize the person who had hurt them. And then we, we, we had them do a visualization of the girls seeing themselves with, with they're holding on to buckets and inside the bucket is the shame they're feeling because their dad called them fat or because of being uh, sexually assaulted or from whatever it may be, from people calling them names. And so instead of them holding on to all that shame about it, we had them visualize in their mind them passing those buckets back to the person to where it belonged. And they did that in their minds. Then we asked them to share. And most of the girls said afterwards, they felt a tremendous sense of relief. They felt lighter. 
because they've been holding on to something that did not belong to them. That's part of making those scars more beautiful. We had the girls uh, write in their journals, had them write the story about what had happened to them, had them um, write in the journals what they had in the past decided about themselves, the kind of negative feelings and beliefs that they had had about themselves, and what they wanted to let go of. What beliefs, what thoughts, what emotions they wanted to let go of. And then we also had them write what they were going to be moving forward with in their life, a new thought, a new belief, some different emotions. And once everybody was done with the journaling, um, we had a fire, and each of them walked up, talked about what they were letting go of and what they were going to do instead. Then they they threw their their paper into the fire, offering it, off, offering those thoughts up to the universe, if you will. Again, very powerful exercise. We had the girls uh, write a letter to the person who had hurt them, how they felt, what they had taken on what the person had done that had been so harmful. And then instead of sending the letter, we had them once again burn it. I recorded a podcast and published it just in the last few weeks about teaching kids to forgive and move on. So I will also put that link into the show notes for this podcast. You might want to go back and listen to that if you haven't, if you didn't catch that one. Forgiveness is a way to to shift your thinking and perspective about scars. Letting go of old beliefs, old lessons, old hurts, anger, frustration, resentment, etc. So you can move forward in your life, not carrying that baggage with you. Another part of this process at camp was teaching the girls about a, a Japanese art form called Kintsuji. I'm not sure if I said it right, but it's K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. It's a practice in Japan, an art, art form, if you will, which means joining with gold. And it's a way that the Japanese uh, sometimes repair broken pottery. So if a bowl is broken, instead of throwing it away, they put the fragments back together with a glue-like uh, tree sap, and then the cracks are filled with gold. So there's no attempt to hide the damage. Instead, they highlight it. And this practice has come to represent the idea that even in, in, even in imperfection, beauty can always be found. Beauty can be found in imperfection. And the breakage becomes an opportunity to apply this kind of thinking at times in our life when we've gone through trauma, failures, mistakes, etc. Et to see it in a new light. That's a great concept. Kintsugi, K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. Google it. Or even better, I will put a, a link, in again, in the show notes about uh, an article I found about that process. So our exercise, uh, the Kintsugi exercise in practice, shows us there's great beauty in breaking, healing, and transforming. There's also a lot of healing that comes with sharing your heart experiences and how they've made you stronger, smarter, wiser, more compassionate. The golden cracks in the, in the pottery are what make the new object unique. Your scars show 
can show your inner strength, your resilience. And they're there every time you look at them. And they welcome you to look at it in a different way. To think about what you've overcome, what you've learned, the gifts you received from your, from your traumas, the gifts that you've received from your adversities and your challenges. And thus, we all have the ability to discover meaning in those most challenging events of our life. Haruki Murakami wrote, I can bear any pain as long as it has meaning. And I would add to that, as we did with our camp exercise, you can find meaning in any of our pain, in any of our adversities, in our traumas, etc. We can find meaning if we look for it, if we reframe old thoughts and make it our story, the story we want to take from it. Two quick quotes that I found. The first one is from Viktor Frankl, who wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning. He was a Holocaust survivor. And he said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Beautiful. And this, is, this last one is a, is a quote from Leonard Cohen. And Leonard Cohen said, Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Hmm. That's also very deep and very profound and very true. So our SCAR exercise at camp became a very powerful exercise. Opened up lots of doors, lots of emotion, lots of healing. Um, I, I interviewed Meg Jay on a podcast about her book, Supernormal, I think about two years ago. The podcast was called How to Help Kids Gain Resilience and Thrive from Adversity. And again, I'll put that link uh, from the past podcast into my show notes. And one of the things that I, I read in that book, and I've also read it in lots of different articles, is that 75 to 80% of adults went through some kind of trauma, uh, tough adversity growing up. Most of us don't escape perfect our childhoods with the perfect record, if you will. And going through those experiences uh, gives us what some people call a stealing effect, S-T-E-E-L-I-N-G. Exposure to some hardship steals us against the impact of future ones. People who have experienced at least some adversity growing up tend to be more successful and more satisfied with their lives uh, as compared to people who experienced either extremely high levels of adversity or people who had experienced none or very low levels of adversity. So having experienced those things is a, can become a good thing for most of us. If it's, if it's a severe trauma, that's a little harder. Or if there's no trauma, if you will. So I want our girls at camp to start seeing their past experiences and to see their scars for what they could be. A place where the, where the light gets in. A place where strength, adversity, courage, resilience can come in. I think sometimes adults, teens, kids need some something extra, like maybe some counseling to sort of work through those experiences, experiences from their lives. Sometimes it's, it's uh, kind of above the pay grade of parents. In other words, they may be too close to it. They don't have the skills to help kids reframe Help them go through that spiral of beliefs, if you will. Make sure your kids get the support they need 
to process through, make better sense of their past adversities and experiences that they went through or are that they're going through so that they can have their own version of the story, that to be in charge of the story they carry forward with them in a healthy way. Again, check out my uh, website at www.drtimjordan.com for all the things that I do in life, my books, etc., my retreats that are coming up this fall, but also um, for this podcast and for the show notes. So you can get the, those, I'll put three links about the things I mentioned earlier in the podcast. This might be a good podcast to listen to with your daughter, by the way, if they're at least in middle school or high school, and then hopefully lead to some fruitful discussions. Um, thanks so much for passing these on to your, to your friends who have daughters. I appreciate you coming by every week and listening in. I appreciate feedback. Um, I'll be back here in a week with another new podcast. Thanks so much for stopping by. today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.